message. I remember um, uh, we've talked about my grandpa before in this setting. I know a couple series ago this winter, uh, talked about how when he was getting ready to die of cancer, he wrote a letter to all the grandkids, and I shared that with you guys. But along with the letter also came some inheritance money. Nothing crazy. Uh, certainly didn't buy a house with it or anything. But enough when you're, like, I was 17, 18 years old, and so it was like, oh, my goodness, free money. This is amazing. Um, and so along with it, we're, we're trying to figure out, all right, who is grandpa, right? Because there were no strings attached to this inheritance. We could use it for whatever we wanted. Um, and yet at the same time, you kind of want to honor the legacy of the one who left the gift, right? The, the, uh, the, the character of the one who was leaving this behind. And so we thought, all right, who is grandpa? My, my brother and sister and cousins were all kind of pondering, what, what was he all about? And, and in his grandkids, he would have wanted to see that we were loving Jesus, that we were working hard, and that we were good stewards, that we were wise with the resources that we had. So we're just kind of figuring out all those things. And, and so there's a little bit of a tension of knowing, okay, I have total freedom to do whatever I want with this money, and yet we want to honor the man, right? We want to honor his gift and what he left behind for us. It's kind of our first chance to take care of something large like that. And so with me, with all of my wisdom and with all of my desire to honor him, I used that money to buy a 1995 Chevy Camaro. <laughs> Let's go, right? That is so sweet. That was my first car that I bought all by myself with grandpa's help, of course. Um, but don't worry, it was teal. Those are a little bit cheaper, right? I, I was very economical with my purchase. The shiny red ones are a little bit more expensive. But then I used the rest of it later on to help towards an engagement ring. So it did, it kind of balanced out the, the selfish one with a nice, to honor Kathy in that engagement. So I uh, did a pretty good job with that. But in talking with my cousins, some of them used it as seed money to start a business. Some of them used it for school. Some of, it used, uh, some of them just kind of spent it, others invested. And so I, I look back and I think, all right, maybe we got it right. Maybe in some ways we didn't. Maybe a combination of both in some ways. But, but we were given, uh, when you have that kind of opportunity, when you are given that type of responsibility, when you're given a mission like that, it's tough to find the right balance because I'm free to do what I want with it, but there's a greater legacy to keep in mind. There's a bigger goal to keep in mind. And so in those moments, there's so many things to consider, so many things pulling us in different directions, grabbing our attention, even good things to focus on. And so for better or worse, in those moments, I think we have to just go back to the original goal, the original legacy, the original mission that we're given, and do our best to see it play out. And today I'm going to look real quick at the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is a prime example of this tension playing out, where you have a bunch of people attempting to live out a big mission, a big calling on their lives, trying to carry on a legacy, all while experiencing the highs and lows of that attempt, of, of trying to represent the one who left that mission behind. But in the end, it was the original mission was all that mattered. So in the book of Acts, what you're going to find, if you've never read through it, I strongly encourage it. You're going to find all kinds of amazing things in that book. You're going to find the launch of the church. That original gathering, the, the ecclesia, as Jesus called it, the gathering of the body of Christ, begins in the book of Acts. You're going to see Peter and others delivering amazing sermons in the book of Acts. You're going to see the disciples doing things that only Jesus had accomplished up to that point. You're going to see amazing moments of courage and boldness. You're going to see the development, the first development of local church leadership, where they selected the first deacons and kind of called them out and gave them specific tasks to do as part of the local church. And so you kind of see that playing out. You see tension. You see tension in Acts between old and new. You see tension between Jews and Gentiles. You see tension between the church and Rome. And throughout this book, you see examples of the church at its best 
when the Holy Spirit is leading and truly at work, and you see examples of the church at its worst, when sin and human agendas get in the way. And all of that, all of those highs and lows, all of the adventures, all of the theology that you find, all the different things that people do, that represents those first century Christians, their best attempts at living out something that Jesus left behind for them in Acts 1. An original mission, a legacy that he left behind for them to follow, his last words before ascending back to heaven. And so that's where we're going to go. We're going to go to Acts chapter 1 this morning to kick things off. Um, and it just, you know, the, the, the passage we're going to read is so deep, right? There, there's so many different directions we could go with it. And so we're going to scratch the surface today. But if you want to get uh, a little bit deeper into the book of Acts or even the life of Paul, I want to encourage you to grab a book. It's called Paul. It's a biography of Paul written by N.T. Wright. So if this piques your interest, if you kind of develop a thirst for that New Testament type stuff, Paul, written by N.T. Wright, I'm telling you, it's the thickest book I've ever read. It took me several decades to get through it, Um, but it's really good stuff. So if you're looking for a good way to spend the next 50 years of your life, that's a great book to pick up. Um, But today, kind of a limited look at Acts chapter 1. So let's go chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, so this is Luke writing this, Luke Acts, the the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are a two-part, two-volume set. So Luke wrote both of them. Um, So if you you want, read Luke and then jump right into Acts and you kind of see the story unfold. In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, He gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So lots of different ways we could go with this, lots of different levels of depth. But just want to hit a couple of those important phrases. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to fall on you. Now, an important distinction that we have to make, because... He's not talking about salvation here because when we put our faith in Christ, when we give him our heart and our soul and say, take me, forgive me, uh, restore me to my originally created design, begin that redemption process in my heart and in my life, in in that moment when we profess our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us. It indwells us as a sign and a seal of our relationship with Jesus. That's different than what he's talking about here. He's talking about the Holy Spirit falling on people. And if you read through the Old Testament and New Testament, you see examples of this happening with people where they would already have a relationship with God, and yet he would give them an extra outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And that became the starting point for any work of God in a life, in a family, in a community, in a church, That outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the catalyst for things that only God can take credit for. That's something we've talked about here over the years. It's something that we talked about when we originally started Fieldstone. We want to see things happen here that go beyond 
any human personality, any human talents, any human wisdom, any human ingenuity or innovation or ideas. We want to see things that happen here that God is the only one that can take credit for because it's too big for a human to accomplish. That's the kind of things that happen when the Holy Spirit falls on God's people, not only dwelling in them, but an extra outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his people. So Jesus says, you're going to receive some power. You're, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit falls on you. And with that power, he says, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to share what you've seen, share what you've heard. I want you to share what you've experienced because Jesus has changed your life. Jesus has impacted your life and your family and your world. And so now he wants us to talk about it. What have we seen? What have we heard? What have we experienced? Be my witnesses, he says. So then the question becomes, where? Where are, where are we supposed to talk about him? Where are we supposed to be his witnesses? Well, what he says is, I want this to happen in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, again, this is another section that we could spend days on. And this is why we do series, because I think, man, we could spend a day on this and a day on that. But just the basics. So when he says Jerusalem, he's not talking just about Jerusalem. What he's talking about is their city, their home. That's their community. That's their neighborhood, right? So he's saying, I want you to be my witnesses where you live, where, or where you are fully invested, where you've grown up, where you live, where you're working, all these different things. That's their home. And then he expands outward. He says, I want you to be my witnesses in Judea. Judea was their region, right? Think of it as a county or a state, right? It's still their community, but it's their extended community. Not exactly where they live, but that region of, of people who have some of those shared values and things. But then he goes even further, and he says, I want you to be my witnesses in Samaria. Now, Samaria wasn't super far away. But if you think back to the story of the woman at the well, you think back to the story of the Good Samaritan, Samaria was a region where there was some racial conflict between them and the Jews to the point where Jewish people, instead of going through Samaria to get to the northern part of the country, they would do a loop around it to avoid interacting with the Samaritans. So Jesus says, I want you to be my witnesses to a nearby region where you're kind of like them, but different. We're talking about people with a different cultural background. We're talking about people with different politics. We're talking about people with a different religion or a different interpretation of the scriptures. He says, I want you to go to Samaria. I want you to go to a nearby region where the culture and the people are different from you. And then he says, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. And so for them, now you're talking about places that you need to get on a horse or get on a boat. Or for us, with a region where you got to get on a train or a plane or get in a car and get out of here, right? The ends of the earth. So Jesus is saying, I want you to be my witnesses to the people closest to you, to the people who are like you, to the people who are not like you, and I want you to be my witnesses to the people who are far from you. Talk about me, talk about your faith, talk about your relationship with your heavenly Father, with the people who are closest to you, with the people who are like you, with the people who are not like you, and the people who are far from you. Now, does that mean if you've never gotten on a plane and shared Jesus to someone in, in, in another country that you're living in sin? No. Not what that means. So for that, I, I want to go back to another spot where Jesus is sharing this challenge. We've hit it before. We'll hit it again. It's called the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and we get a little bit more clarity on what he's talking about here. So Matthew 28, 19, Jesus is talking, and he says, Therefore go 
and make disciples of all nations, there's that ends of the earth thing, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this, these couple verses, we spent three or four weeks talking about them a couple summers ago. You can go back and find that if you want. But Joe kicked off that series and did a great job picking this passage apart. And if there's one thing you learn as a pastor early on is when you hear good content, you steal it, and you steal it early, and you steal it often. And so I've quoted Joe on this. I'm going to quote him again. Because when you, when you dissect this verse, therefore go and make disciples, the way it's structured is actually saying, as you go, make disciples. As you go, make disciples. And so Jesus knew, as he's giving them this commission, as he's leaving this legacy and this mission behind, Jesus knew that his followers would be going to work every day. And he knew that his followers would be worshiping in their synagogue every week. And he knew that his followers would be interacting with family and friends, both near and far. He knew that his followers would be traveling for work, traveling for vacation, traveling as part of the military. He knew that his followers would be interacting with international travelers. Because if you ever look at a map of that Middle Eastern world, especially in the first century, any traveler trying to go from north to south in that known world was going to pass through the funnel of Israel slash Palestine, right? And so they were going to be interacting with all kinds of international travelers. And he knew that very shortly his followers would be scattered around the known world by persecution. And so he says, wherever life takes you, wherever the world pushes you, wherever I call you, take the truth, take the story with you. Be my witnesses to those close to you, those like you, those not like you, and those far from you. Now, this isn't just for professionals, right? Because you think, all right, this is for pastors, this is for missionaries. Believe it or not, I got a pretty good deal going. I am literally getting paid to talk to you right now. Now, it's amazing. But this mission, this calling, isn't just for pastors, isn't just for professional full-time ministries. It's for people in all walks of life, all trades, all situations. I mentioned N.T. Wright, who wrote the book called Paul. And in a, in a passage from that book, N.T. Wright says this. He says, When people in churches today discuss Paul and his letters... They often think only of a man of ideas who dealt with lofty and difficult concepts, influencing libraries, seminar rooms, and the minister's study. We easily forget that the author of these letters spent most of his waking hours with his sleeves rolled up, doing hard physical work in a hot climate, and that perhaps two-thirds of the conversations he had with people about Jesus were conducted not in a place of worship or study, not even in a private home, but in a small, cramped workshop. Saul had his feet on the ground and his hands were hardened with labor, but his head still buzzed with scripture and the news about Jesus. So Paul, this man that we know as this great missionary who found his way even into the, the Inner, uh, the eastern part of Asia all the way to the known world past Rome and maybe even into Spain. This great missionary actually spent most of his time making tents and telling people about Jesus as he worked and telling people about Jesus as he went to the synagogue and telling people about Jesus as he went to the market, telling people about Jesus even as he interacted in everyday life. Be my witnesses. As you go, make disciples. Tell people about Jesus. 
And this looks different for every believer. Now it looked different for every believer in the first century. But everything that we see in Acts, everything that we see throughout the New Testament is their attempt to live out that mission from Matthew 28 and that legacy from Acts chapter 1. It includes everything that the Holy Spirit empowered them to do, from gifts and talents to sermons he empowered them to preach to miracles they were able to perform in some cases to to creating the church leadership structure that we still follow in many ways today. And so was it great a lot of the time? Yes. Was it messy sometimes? Yes, there were humans involved. But it's the original mission that matters. And so as we consider that today, just a couple questions to throw at you as you start thinking through, okay, where do I need to be more of a representative of my faith? Where do I need to be more bold and willing to talk about Jesus and the things that he's done in my life? Well, the first question is this. Where are you? Where are you? Who's your inner circle? What everyday conversations and interactions do you have that could be seasoned with truth and seasoned with faith? Where do you already have relationships? Where do you already have commonalities with the people in your life? Where do you already have some influence? These are places to share Jesus. Where are you? Second question follows up on that. Where do you go? Where do you go? Where does work take you? Where do other responsibilities take you? Where does vacation take you? Who do you interact with that maybe isn't in your inner circle but has some shared values and some shared culture and some shared ideas? Who do you interact with that's maybe nearby but has different culture, different values, different ideas of the way the world works. For some of you, this is going to take you not very far at all. For some of you, work takes you around the world various times throughout the year. Where are you? What's home for you? What's your community? And where do you go that's kind of venturing outside of that community? Because those are places to share Jesus. And the third question is this, kind of takes it to the next level. Where are you? Where do you go? And maybe where should you go? Where should you go? Is God calling you to something more? Has he put a specific place on your heart that needs Jesus? Has he put a specific people group on your heart that needs Jesus? Has he put a specific issue on your heart that needs truth spoken into that situation or into that issue? Is it the mission field, domestic here in the States, or the mission field Internationally, Is he calling you to full-time local church ministry? Because yes, this mission, Acts 1, Matthew 28, this is for all of us, each individually, as families, as followers of Christ, to take him with us wherever we go and input him into conversations and situations. But some of us are called to something more. Are you supposed to be the next missionary? Are you supposed to be the next church planter or youth pastor or whatever it is? Where should you go? Be ready to honor the gift. Be ready to honor the legacy of the Savior who gave us this challenge. Maybe there's some place you should be going in addition to where you are and where you already go. It's a high calling, and yet it's a consistent calling, and it's the greatest challenge we could ever be given. And if we'll answer that calling in our everyday lives, God can do big things with it, even with those small seeds that are planted with what we're willing to do. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to end a little bit different today. Father, we thank you for this time together. Thanks for leaving this challenge behind. God, is, it's a high calling. It's a big mission, and yet, God, you've made it oh so simple for us. As we go through life, as we interact with people, as we work, as we vacation, as we rest, God, 
we want to take you with us. Give us those opportunities where your name can get dropped in the conversation. Give us opportunities to share what you're doing in our lives. God, give us those opportunities and then give us the courage to speak it, to initiate, to follow up on the opportunity and see what you want to do with those little seeds that are planted. God, we put it in your hands and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, at this time, I'm going to invite uh, someone named Audrey up to here. She comes right now. So uh, I just want to close in this way. So uh, certainly this challenge today is for individuals, but we as a church want to be a part of the big mission that God has set out as well. And so we have a missionary, Crystal Bartlett, who was here a few weeks ago speaking. Uh, she's a part of Elam Fellowship. She works with students on college campuses, even into Asia at times. Uh, and so we support her. We, we've talked about our dream for a counseling center or plant churches, which will come as the months and years go by. But we also have local partners, partners here. Come on up, Audrey. Local partners um, here in Milan, Washtenaw County, Monroe County. And one of those is called Safe Families for Children. And this is Audrey Johnson, who is kind of the newly crowned... Um, See, yeah, uh, it could be if I do my job here for you. <laughs> So uh, coordinator for Washtenaw County yes. of Safe Families. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about Safe Families and, and what that all looks like. So I am the Washtenaw County coordinator for Safe Families for Children. Safe Families for Children is a ministry that is volunteer-led, um, based in churches. Churches partner with Safe Families, um, like Fieldstone and other churches in your community. And the goal of Safe Families is to keep children out of foster care who do not need to be in foster care. Um, there are a lot of, well, let me back up. So I'm pregnant. I'm doing 10 days. 10 days? 10 days. Okay. And when I have this Here baby, my mom's going to come over and help me. My neighbors yeah. are going to come bring me meals. I'm going to have people offering to watch my other kids or take them to school or things like that. And I think that that's a pretty common experience for all of us when a big life change happens or if you're in a crisis or if somebody passes and you have that support of your friends, family, and church community. The people that we help and say families, they don't have that support. A lot of them have aged out of foster care. They have rocky relationships with their family. They might not even know a lot of their family. Um, and when you don't have that support and something happens, what do you do with your kids? Um, I've worked with moms who have gone into the hospital for surgery, and if they don't have child care for their kids, they go into foster care. The CPS gets involved. Um, moms who may be struggling with addiction and really want to get help and want to go to rehab, but there's no one to watch their kids for them while they go for a, a, a two-week program or whatever it may be, those kids get taken. Um, and that's something that we want to try to avoid because it is so important for kids to stay with the parents, especially if... It's something where they're, they're really trying to better themselves and they just need that little bit of support. So there's multiple ways that you can get involved. Um, a host family is a family that will actually take the kids. It can be for three days, it can be for 30 days, but they take the kids and um, essentially just you know, babysit them while the mom takes care of what it is that she needs to take care of. Um, there's a family friend who is a friend to the mom and it does just that, just be a friend take her out to coffee, um, help her reach her goals, and you know, kind of walk alongside of her. And then there's a family coach that um, is a, a support to the host family and the kids. But the whole goal of this program is to really en envelop that mom and that family with support and help them grow their, 
their support network, invite them to church. This might be the only opportunity that they have or the first opportunity that they have to hear about Jesus. Um, and the impact that you can make in such a short period of time is so profound that this is really a, a great opportunity to just step up and get involved in spread, spread the word of God and spread his love. So we're going to watch a short video, and then I will be out in the lobby answering questions, and I encourage you to come, ask me anything you want. Let's just connect and you know, see where your interests lie. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> We did foster care for about 15 years, and we know the cycle of moms having babies and losing babies and never really getting better. And as our kids got older, we started feeling like, oh, um, this has, there has to be a different way to do this. And so in searching for how can we help people in this area without being a foster family, actually on the internet we found safe families and started researching it, uh, looked into it, and thought this is amazing. Safe Families for Children helps keep families together and prevents kids from entering the foster care system by connecting isolated, struggling families with volunteers in the community who are motivated by compassion and provide whatever wraparound support that family needs in order to move towards stabilization and staying together. Oh, what are you doing? The biggest difference between foster care and safe families is that um, the parent has volunteered, so immediately you see the difference between how the mom wants to work through the situation. It was a little bit intimidating for me because we had done foster care so long, there was always kind of a, a line between the, the family taking the child and the parent. I think that's one of the biggest things that we see here is that there isn't a line between there. We get to go right in and we get to meet the parents. You want to help Grandma make a cake for Becca for her birthday? You don't. How about a Rice Krispie treat cake? The most rewarding part of the Safe Family experience has been that after two years, we got to see a mom walk off of the welfare system. Um, and also a couple instances where we've watched those moms come into church and we've watched those moms accept Jesus. And um, we now have a mom who came in through Safe Families that is part of our Safe Family ministry at our church and helping other families. And she's on fire for Jesus right now. Imagine what our communities would look like if each one of us participated in some way that we're uniquely gifted at to help families in crisis. You could volunteer, be a host family, a family friend, share your stuff. You can invest in the growth of safe families in your community. You can advocate for safe families in your community by connecting with community organizations, by telling other churches about safe families and spreading the word about the fantastic resources for struggling families. Okay, so we have ended early strategically today, not so you can race back to the garden, but so that you can spend some time talking with Audrey at her table over there in lobby. would really love for you guys to consider and pray through some of the opportunities along with Safe Families. It is a new, uh, the Washtenaw County version is a newer version, and so there, as she said, we're really looking for host families. I want to challenge you to pray about that type of opportunity. We would love for our church to have a big part when it comes to that. Now, as you get back there, we do have a church representative. Some of you guys might know Mia Gentis. She's back there at the table as well, unless she's in here right now. Mia. Oh, she is in there. So Mia's got her hand up in the back. Uh, she is kind of our church 
champion, I guess, and so she'll be around as well. But please take these next few minutes and go chat with Audrey. I will be watching you. (laughs) Just kidding, but not really. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks.